0: This week on Dialogue Wheel, I'm Andy Burkowski from Video Game Soft History, and I am joined for the first time in a long, long time by my friends, former interns, and people that I, I picked out of obscurity to join my radio show years and years ago, Richard Jellison and Thomas Hyde. Uh, thank you both for joining. How y'all doing?
1: Good. Thanks for having us, Andy. Yeah. Things are going okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Going to be learning about Richard. Liddick. Thanks
2: for uh, picking us out of obscurity. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. like. Do that. you remember
0: <laughs> when you you had the uh, the internship, uh, what, the interview, and the the fear that was going through <laughs> your hearts when that <laughs> was happening?
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh man, we all wanted it so bad, and you had already you already knew that you were going to take. I think all yeah, three everyone, of us. Yeah, everyone. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and we wanted it so bad, we thought we were competing. Mm. It was a yeah. whole like you just played us like fiddles.
0: Yeah, I did and Speaking of playing people like fiddles, no, no. Before we get into that, I uh, <laughs> I wanted to just give a little background again. If you're just listening for the first time, I've been doing this for uh, a while. It started as a, a radio show in Toronto and kind of changed and uh, contorted into various different things. I've been very fortunate to talk to developers and uh, speak to the people making these games. And, of course, bring this all to YouTube where we have a pretty sizable audience that really likes to talk about the lore and these sort of ideas. Ideas, but I do like a, an opportunity just a few times a week to just talk about the culture and the ins and outs of the video game industry. I, Rich, what's your background? What do you do?
1: Uh, well, I was just working the last couple of years in audio video editing, uh, webcasting, and it, unless that's not what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> that listen, you gotta live your truth, man. Whatever.
1: Oh, there you go. I was working. I, I do a lot of work in audio video editing. Uh, I lost my job but now i'm working on becoming a professional e-boy so that's uh there you go
0: what is an e-boy don't don't
1: don't worry about it okay so he sells bath
0: (laughs) 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 all right so you want to sell bath water online excellent thomas
2: i have a sweet degree in radio i learned uh, a lot about production um I don't really work in that field, but I spend a lot of my free time working on audio projects that I find interesting. Uh, you know, I just have a nine to five job mm. and then play around and just try and create stuff I find interesting in my bit free of time. an outsider. Opinion, I play tons right? of video. Yeah, a yeah. so.
0: bit of an outsider opinion of someone who actually plays these games and doesn't, uh, you know, just revolve around them as their one cultural connection. So good to have uh, both of y'all. Here today, Uh, what we wanted to talk about, you know, five minutes in, is a recent article from Kutaku, Jason Shire, or Shire, I said the name many different ways. He again has released an expose about the poor working conditions. He's done this for uh, BioWare and Anthem famously did this right before the release of Red Dead Redemption 2, looking at Rockstar, and it does have a lot of big impact. I know there's a lot of people that get upset when uh, these sort of articles come out from various different reasons, whether or not they don't believe some of the allegations of uh, you know worker abuse, or if they are in the industry, they really don't like the idea that this outsider doesn't understand, essentially, the, uh, the way that it works. But it's a great article. It's going to be below. You really should look through it. Uh, essentially, if you uh, just look through everything that was said, speaking to 13 different employees that have worked at Naughty Dog over the last several years, he basically espouses this, this hidden culture of obsession where ideas of crunch, of getting in at 5 or 6 in the morning and not leaving until midnight is not only commonplace, not only expected, but is kind of culturally appropriate to make these games because, like one of these developers said, the game is really good but at a huge cost to the people. Uh, from looking at this article, explains kind of the, the rocky development process of The Last of Us 2, how there was a lot of uh, upward changes to the game that required over the last few years. Complete revamping. It uh, really doesn't paint the creative lead Neil Druckmann very well, either kind of paints him a bit like an uncaring auteur where these developers will <laughs> create Like, the most amazing vignettes. And then there's moments in this article where uh, Scheer says, you know, Druckmann wants more beats, more notes, wants to have all these extra things to try and make it more and more perfect. One of the uh, animators there, according to the article, described the workplace as uh, essentially Stockholm Syndrome. So considering all that, that uh, The Last of Us 2 will be coming out this year, the impact of this article, I think it has its place, I, I don't think it's quite as impactful as it would have been maybe a year or two ago before the other examinations from Kotaku because it, it, we do kind of think this is commonplace which is a little bit unfortunate, but um, let's not forget that Naughty Dog was also accused of insensitivity and covering up a proposed sexual harassment claim a, a couple of years ago, I don't know if you both remember that. So. The studio is definitely aware of the impact of the, uh, the culture that goes around it. When this article came out, boys, did, was there a little bit of shock, a little bit of surprise that one of the more coveted and critically acclaimed studios had these practices that we thought were maybe common with like Riot Games or, or big MMOs, but no, like one of the critical darlings is doing the same sort of things. What was the, uh, the reaction?
2: No surprise really? whatsoever. Agreed. I think um, any company that I know the name of, I expect <laughs> them to be doing these things. I don't want them to be doing these things. I should make that clear. Obviously, it's, you know, after a certain point, it goes too far. Everyone has crunch. But, you know, uh, what what we've been hearing about, we being like the collective um, people outside of the industry, non-developers, what they as a collective have been learning over the past, you know, five ten years something like that has been about this crunch time how crazy mm-hmm. it is how ridiculously brutal it's obviously not acceptable but i have come to understand that any company i know the name of that's big enough for me to know them are probably doing it yeah rich what about you
1: um that's that's a big a statement of agreement for me as yeah. well Uh, It's hard to imagine a place where, well, think about it. You've got uh, CD Projekt Red who just pushed back their game, uh, Cyberpunk, to come out in the fall. because I I guess partially because they didn't want it to come out in the season with other busy games. But also because they wanted to reduce their own crunch. Um, And for Mm -hmm. a game that had, had already been pushed back, considering that I think Last of Us was supposed to come out in February initially... Mm-hmm. Um, it, they already were trying to avoid crunch. And the fact that they are still doing it, no matter what, says this is an unavoidable factor even if there's three, four, five, six months extended from the date you were originally supposed to release, it doesn't matter. It's going to happen and it's going to be happening from that, whatever the year point is before the game's supposed to come out or mm-hmm. like a couple, only a couple months out. It doesn't matter. That crunch time has just extended and it is going to become. Especially in the case of like something like Naughty Dog, that level of perfection that we're we're going to expect playing it. And that's going to be heavy on their shoulders, like for mm-hmm. like a reputation standpoint and just the fact that, well, they want to, I guess, make it as good as they possibly can because they're, they've been working on it for so long. They love it too. If they didn't yeah, love that, it, they wouldn't be making it.
0: That is a lot of what you get from the article that there is this, this culture of love of maybe where it's not explicitly said, you know, you have to stay until midnight. You don't want to be the one uh, art guy that leaves at 6 p.m. when you know everyone's staying at midnight because it is work that everyone is so passionate about one of the quotes uh, from one of the developers from the article is that's one of the reasons crunch always happens here people are given the freedom to keep working longer to push the envelope of what they're working on to make things just 10 percent better it's what the studio looks for when hiring people they're looking for people with that drive to actually put in the extra hours for better or for worse ironically in the article it explains that uh 70% 70% of the non-lead designers in Uncharted 4, another game under the umbrella of Naughty Dog, had quit after the uh, game was released and didn't choose to continue with the studio. So this idea that they're trying to find people that work and, and love this way of working might not necessarily be true just because hmm. you know people can only be pushed so far. One of the animators tweeted after the story came out that He was threatened to withhold his paycheck by Naughty Dog if he talked about some of their business practices. So there was some really devious behavior that he claims there. And then he went on to explain that many of the people he worked with were hospitalized because they worked too long. And the worst thing about it all seemingly is there is a culture of understanding that unionization for jobs that are in quick service, that are um, manufacturing in nature. There's an acceptance that working too hard for and working these extra hours is a grind, is a crunch and isn't looked on positively. The most insidious thing to me about this story, and it kind of is typical of all these stories, is how it's not seen culturally in the game studio and even writ large, as a bad thing. It's almost seen like, you know, these are the great makers that are trying to make a game that is that much perfect. And I don't know about you guys, but that made me feel the most uncomfortable because we love the people that make games and the idea that they're not able to treat this job just like a job is pretty upsetting.
2: Yeah, I mean, and there's there's another another level to this where it's sort of like a romanticism has been stripped away because like back when... You know, in the 80s and the 90s when video games were more of a niche market like the people who were making this they were like teams of five mm-hmm. six people who they were going through this crunch too but at the time it felt like you know like these people this is their art like they're doing this for their love of the project nowadays I mean obviously th- these employees they still have these, this love for games and this love for making things but like at the end of the day it's a business mm-hmm. now Like, these are big businesses, and, like, the whole this is our art, it it can't necessarily be, you know, viewed through that lens anymore. Whether that would make it appropriate or not is another question entirely, but, like, you know, there's been sort of a shift in the gaming culture between, you know, like, people who make games are, you know, tiny teams of artists versus, like, there are huge rooms full of, like, animators, sound design, rendering stuff like that. Like it's just not the same as it used to be and the crunch maybe makes it so like the crunch might not be as appropriate as it once was yeah. e- if it ever was. Mm-hmm. Well, I
0: think we should maybe kind of come down as people that are not making video games. Uh speaking to a lot of people that have obviously the there is a a want to have appropriate labor practices, but My opinion, just generally before we move on to what we should do, the idea of crunch in video games, which again means that workers are gonna be working dangerous hours weekly to create a product. I believe not even that they should do crunch and get paid for it, but that it is detrimental to the health of workers and the culture of video games to even allow it. So I come down strong with the axe of saying, you know, not only should it be 40 hour work weeks as the maximum, but it should be even a moment later. And that's like not allowed. You get charged the the corporations that would do something like that. So that's my positioning, especially when it comes to video games uh, in terms of crunch. What is your all both y'all's uh, kind of opinion on, on where you think it should line up? Acknowledging that you know you don't make games and we don't get to make these decisions, but kind of you know the the thoughts that you have.
2: Uh, Rich, I'll let you go first. I just went on a diatribe.
1: <laughs> well, well, when it comes to like letting it happen, I mean clearly it shouldn't happen, uh, but it's it's not it's not, it's not it's not necessarily up to the workers. It's up to the bosses, the higher ups, and unfortunately, like I, I had gone on a bit of a diatribe uh, about this previously. Uh, myself like in 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 private conversation where I had spoken to the effect of, It's the shareholders' fault that this is even happening, because Mm. they want they they say, oh, we put this much money into the company, we expect this much return, and at some point, like, I mean, even with companies like Activision that are squeezing blood from a stone with every single Call of Duty that they're putting out, like, it's the same kind of concept. Those shareholders want their return on investment, and uh, they want to get every single dollar in the world, and more like, year-on-year, year, let's say, uh, and the bosses' jobs, or the CEO's jobs, are right? you supposed to listen to those and tell those bosses, and those bosses tell those bosses, and those bosses tell the workers, work so we can get this done, so we can get paid or make Mm -hmm. the money back or do whatever it is. So it it goes higher outside of, I think, the industry itself and into just the fact that capitalism and the corporatization of of the video games is ultimately the issue at at hands. And while I can't speak to say that people shouldn't buy stock in companies to fund the video games or however these things are making the money, it's hard to sort of make a case in right. that way, I think. You, you'd want it to not happen, but it's almost impossible. I, well, yeah, I
0: we'll think. see, I disagree strongly with that. Nothing's impossible. Come on, you got to believe there, Richard. But uh, understanding that, like, destroy, destroying the tenets of capitalism will be kind of difficult. <laughs> what do you think just generally should, you know, these workers should have, I guess, if it could happen?
1: Oh I mean of course they need rights they have to they they should have like if not just the 40 hour work week or or 60 or whatever it ends up being yeah. like maybe if it's maybe it's 60 cap and then everything over 40 is an overtime pay mm-hmm. uh, whatever benefits they're getting is probably not close to enough Uh, And the first thing that I thought of when this came up was if I was doing this much crunch for a year, two years, even six months, like, gone every single day, like, I can't imagine when these people are coming home, spending time with their families, if they're even spending time with their families. Like, like there's some games that say, oh, there were this many production babies during the... Uh, mm-hmm. production of the game how many production divorces are there <laughs> or in uh, some
0: cases like deaths in hospitalization oh yeah so. of course like that's yeah,
1: well. it's people that are overworking themselves like I think it was um like for for going way back on something like this I think it was takiyoshi Sato uh, who worked on Silent Hill who was like I want to be a designer and they said okay go make every single CG cutscene for the game and he said sure and for the last like six months of production or something he slept in the office using every computer that they possibly had he did it because he wanted to do it and he loved it but that's not the point that that, that is that's slightly different
0: Mm -hmm. the romanticism of of work in this way is is uh, a horrible thing thomas you pretty much the same thing or do you got a different opinion on just
2: more or less i just think uh with with these companies there needs to be transparency like when when you're writing up a contract you need to say You know, at the end of this project, there's going to be a crunch time. The only thing they need is to make sure everyone signing on is aware that there will eventually be crunch time. When you make something, anything, it doesn't matter whether it's car parts, whether it's a video game, whether it's, uh, I don't know, yoga pants. There's going to be crunch time when deadlines come up. They just need to make it transparent. They're going to come up. They need to come up with a cap so no one's working a million hours a week, or I don't know how many hours are in a week. I'm not smart. Yeah, it's definitely um, a
0: million. That's it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> around there. It's a long week, but you know. We get by. We have short weeks. We have long yeah, weeks. Yeah, but so you, you believe I just, just think... they, they got to be aware before.
0: Admittedly, though, I do think Naughty Dog has made that pretty clear in, in yeah. the article, at least. It, it explains that that is uh, kind of the people they're working, looking for that are willing to do that and and understand the, uh, the realities of it.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I I think most importantly, these companies should have some sort of fail safe where if the amount of work being done is making someone sick or making someone, you know, deranged or or whatever would happen after working so many hours so hard, like the safety of the employee should be number Mm -hmm. one. Like if they need to step away for their own personal, you know, Uh, personal well-being it should be you know no way to penalize it you know there you know it should just be open to them as an option that's
0: why again everyone likes the idea of unions because they're able to standardize this stuff because it is really hard um, in a workplace to be the one that wants that you're the one employee that maybe is breaking that kind of unwritten rule you know, I'll, I'll speak to this, and you guys uh, knew this when I was working in Toronto Radio. The idea, that if you were the guy that didn't grab every single extra shift, and this is when I was working part-time, and doing absolutely everything, killing yourself with 5 a.m. shifts every other day and then doing evening shifts, if you were not happy to do that and excited about it and, you know, tried to have a bit of a um, work-life balance, you were seen as someone who's not, you know, essentially a team player and that culture yeah. is something that you find in media. You guys must have found that just outside of uh, the media landscape as well.
1: well yes, it did.
2: To be honest, that's why I'm not in radio. Yeah. <laughs> and expounding on that, the main problem is is that you know working on video games or working on radio, yeah. it's a dream job for a lot of mm-hmm. people. If you're not willing to do everything and put up with crunch, someone else will be.
0: And that's unfortunate. Like that—that that is the not like because a lot of people I think would say that as kind of a reason why you should, you know, uh, submit to crunch. But I think that is more of a, a really sad reality that there's people that uh, you know are more privileged even because there's a lot of people. There's some. There's a woman I worked with originally when I I first got a job in Toronto radio. She was in the overnights and she was making all these little mistakes and wasn't really involved with the culture. Because she was a single mom and like just had more important things to do than give a shit with, uh, you know, the syntax of sports scores or something like that. And she was let go and seen as someone who was like an other because of that. So culturally, overall, there's some big, big changes that need to happen uh, in all industries, video games especially. But the real question I have for y'all almost a half hour into this conversation We now know that there was human suffering that was put into The Last of Us 2. Considering that The Last of Us 2 will be coming out this year. And the fact that I think all of us want to be conscientious and sympathetic to the plight of these uh, game makers that work really fucking hard to make these games and shouldn't be put through these uh, rigorous conditions... I'm a little troubled with what exactly we should do, what anyone should do. The idea of voting with your dollar is not something I really support. I don't think that is real in any way, as I think that's like kind of juvenile, honestly, what people used to say in the early aughts about video games and like how culture works. But I, I do think that it affects how I will be experiencing The Last of Us 2. It certainly affected how I played Red Dead Redemption 2. Like, it, it, seeing every little blade of grass and knowing that every mountaintop you could visit and every animal was, you know, created into different hats at different times. <laughs> it made me feel like, yeah, we don't need this. Like, it's okay. I don't need to have rendered horse balls of 15 different horses.
2: No. Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That
0: was my long diatribe about, you know, how this affected that one game. It absolutely affected how I experienced the game to know what the um, production cycle and the uh, conditions were. What about you guys? What do you you think needs to be done, really? Personally, I guess, first. And then maybe we can try to figure it out for everyone else.
1: It's... Like I said, it's hard for for this kind of thing. You look at a game like Red Dead, which had the same kind of coverage, where you could see these issues publicly, blatantly, and I mean, for a studio with again such high repute uh, for games that are masterful, big, huge, loved stories, and like mm-hmm. I I was really excited for Red Dead too because I wanted to know more about the world before. Uh, you got to play Red Dead 1, of course, because that it, storytelling is really important to me. So having a game that I was really looking forward to didn't really get damaged, in my opinion, by having a company do that thing. Because you also bring up Anthem, which was absolutely not a success. But that was shown to have the same issues, Mm -hmm. well it wasn't a success similar yeah yeah similar issues but a different level of success for different reasons just because we're highlighting these things from one company two company three companies that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen the exact same way with every single game that you play if you're gonna look at it in in that way i'm gonna have to go back and look at say death stranding and go wow this is a game i really enjoy they put a ton of work into here can i enjoy it as much?" because X, Y, Z, they manipulated their people or whatever. Can I go back to games that I played 10 years ago? Can I go back to, say, New Vegas and go, well, these people had really whatever conditions that they were working in and can I enjoy this now? It's it's going to be defeatist in order to kind of look at it in that way because if, if these studios are doing it and these are big loved studios, everybody's doing it. I mean it's I not can't a good say excuse though like I am like, not saying it's a good excuse. Where is your moral
0: turpitude friend? Like what where is the uh, the actual feelings for these people that we care about so much man? Come on.
1: The the long and short of it is they went through it to deliver you a product and it's unfortunate that they had gone through these negative and terrible oh, times. come on, man! I know, I know, I know. This is this is a very this weird, is
0: bootlicker talk.
1: I I don't want to say it that <laughs> this way. This is bootlicker but, talk. But if you, you know don't, it. if you're if you're looking forward to it and you don't play the game, who's to say that you don't play it and I don't play it and Thomas doesn't play it and a million other people don't play it and whatever copies don't get sold, that company's going to get shut down.
0: But again, and you'll never people, see them again. The workers that were hurt aren't getting a percentage of the profits anyway. So it's not like if the game fails or if the game does really, really well, then all of a sudden you know they're going to get more money for the work that they have done. I would hope that maybe if you are taking your analogy and and your metaphor and going along with it, if more people did that, then it could be a possibility that that something could change, you know, of not being uh, economically feasible this sort of model uh going forward. Like it said in the article, uh one of the quotes, they've never seen success any other way. So they don't believe there's another way of achieving it. I think Mm. there is another way of consuming these sort of things. And I think they're a little more heightened than just products in our consumption of it. And I do understand that everything is unethical in uh everything you consume is unethical. There's no ethical ethical consumption under capitalism. Trying to get all the words together. Absolutely. So I, I get all that, but personally, I just, I feel the knowledge of it is something that affects how I experience it because games are so personal in the way yeah. that they do deliver a story it's almost like going to uh, like a um, a baby cow farm or something like that and really connecting with these animals and then looking at burgers a different way and that, that has happened like people go through that sort oh, of experience
1: that yeah that doesn't that kind of thing doesn't bother me so much that's a different uh, rationale
0: you just want to murder baby cows I knew it all uh, was. veal
1: is delicious but that's oh, not that's that's a, that's that's a that's not that is an analogy that doesn't work here because we are not eating these people
0: I disagree. I think that we are. This is the closest to meat eating. <laughs> We're people. eating them up and spitting them <laughs> Eat the out. Rich.
1: Except so, it's not the rich. It's not the rich. <laughs>
0: That's the point. We're eating these poor. All right. So,
1: but if these you're... people get paid for these jobs, that' what my my final thought on that was. If these people are getting paid to continue doing these jobs, and the studio shuts down, they're going to be in a position that I'm currently in, where it's yeah. a couple months of not having any work and not knowing where you are going to be. If you can even get a job in an industry that, oh well, That's they true, worked yeah. on a game and didn't do well on this game, like or the game didn't do well, even though whatever they worked on may have been really good, maybe we don't hire them and we hire this guy who's never had a project like this. Mm-hmm. Like it's if we don't buy the game, these people might not be able to work again and work on those things that'll make you smile the way it should have, if it was ethical.
0: So i I hear that. i I do disagree a little bit with the rationale. like i I don't necessarily think that one will equate to the other. I, I understand there's a possibility of it. and absolutely losing your job and being out of work is fucking terrible and it has that effect. I don't think that's gonna happen based on what we are doing. I don't think naughty dog is going to be, you know, economically affected, even though I think that they should. Uh, you said a lot of stuff there, Rich. Ultimately, though, what do you think, if you had to distill it, will be your takeaway of The Last of Us, knowing this?
1: It will be a beautiful game from a game series and studio that I love that I will be sad to completely 100% it.
0: <laughs> So it's it. So earnestly, you don't believe that it will affect your enjoyment of the final I game.
1: I don't I don't think it will because I don't think I have the fortitude to go back to every single game I've ever played. But you don't and don't to do say that. that. Like you could just, but if we're doing it
0: happening now though.
1: I know, but if we're doing it now, can I enjoy anything?
0: But again, it is a little bit unfortunate because it is about like sight unseen, right? We have like we can't claim negligence now. We know that this is happening in a quantifiable way at Naughty Dog. And we can't now claim that having that same knowledge with every game that's ever been made. Like, I, I do believe, unlike uh, the statement about consumption under capitalism, there is a way to make games that doesn't require crunch. Uh, developers it's of called Dead Saladu and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, Obsidian Entertainment, you brought up uh, Folo New Vegas. They're very famous for enacting some, you know, pretty strict regs when it comes to that. I'm a big fan when with everything they do, so I won't hear any blandishments against them.
1: Was uh, Was Pillars Kickstarted?
0: Yes, it was.
1: Well, that's that was another thought that I had. The yeah. games that we hear don't have crunch and don't have problems like that are games that are crowdfunded. Yeah. Where people a, are voting with, not to use that term, but voting with their dollar to see the things that they want to make in an environment that's going to be a lot better than under a massive mm-hmm. capitalist CEO-based society.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, though, Pillars 2 didn't do very well. So uh, there was a thing from Josh Sawyer of Obsidian saying that, yeah, they're not going to be able to make a new one just because it did so unbelievably poorly in comparison to other games, even though I think it's
1: But they did it on their own sweat of their own brow. (laughs) See, that doesn't work, though. Yeah, but that doesn't work either.
0: All right, so we've been talking a lot, Thomas. I, I am very eager to hear your take. Richard is a spineless bootlicker. That is no, praying at the altar anti, of capitalism.
1: I'm an anti-capitalist. So
0: uh, then we'll cut it. Maybe cut it. Oh, see, I missed that when we were in the studio. I could just cut your mic. I can't do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I do. Th- I I understand where you're saying, Rich. Like I I get it that you're sympathetic to it. But if you can play it without being effective, you're not going to lie and say like, no, this is affecting me. Like you're you're able to uh, discern the difference, delineate that. So it happened like that. I think that's very real for a lot of people that play games. What you just explained.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well said, uh, Thomas, what, where do you see your idea of how you'll be able to enjoy or experience the last of us Two? considering now we have proof that the people who made it, these visionaries were taken advantage of in order to make it.
2: Yeah. It's a bit of a, Bit of a tricky dick. It is on right this one. Um, the The question, I suppose, is: Should I boycott the game? Should I be disgusted? Should I lessen my enjoyment of the game, or should I just be doubly thankful mm. that these people went through such terrible things to deliver this to me? And there's no an interesting position. The good answer to this, because on one end of the spectrum, you know, I'm standing up for these people, and I don't get to play the game. On the other end of the spectrum, I'm completely ignoring the fact that these terrible things happen, mm-hmm. and I get to enjoy the game as I intended to. The Richard um, position. I as think we call it. no. I'm, i know <laughs> yeah, exactly. plates, I know what their I know what their
1: plates are. Um, no, <laughs> Sorry, I. I,
2: I honestly think. I honestly think the best way to go about this is to just be doubly thankful for the things you've gotten, and in the future, try and be more proactive mm. about. Getting in touch with these companies. Try to open a dialogue. It's never going to be easy. If a lot of people do it, you might make some ground. But if you can get in touch with these companies, you know, be active on their forums, tweet them, you know, anything you can do, really. Frickin', I don't know, write them a letter, whatever. That
1: changed the Mass Effect 3 ending.
2: Let them, you know. (laughs) It also changed, just to to get you there, that did affect
0: Rockstar's development cycle for Red Dead Redemption 2. Like, these stories and, and the outrage that was uh, around it absolutely had an effect on the the finished product. So, you know, you might be onto something here, Thomas.
1: Didn't a lot of people lose their I mean, jobs after that came out too, though?
0: Well, again, losing jobs at Rockstar and these big development places is apparently not uncommon. Like, a lot of people yeah, are just... Yeah, that's
1: not losing your
2: job. That's turnover. Yeah. They want new people for new projects. Mm. It's... You know, that's standard industry practice. That's an entire other conversation, if you ask me. But I just I think the important thing is, is to try and open a dialogue with these companies and make it, you know, a two way talk between a consumer and a company saying, like, listen, we don't stand behind what you're doing with these people. Right. We don't think that this crunch is healthy for you or your employees. And we just need to make sure they understand that. If the game gets pushed back six months so that this doesn't have to happen, we're still on board. If they can't deliver on everything they promised, we're still on board. Although, just don't overpromise in the first Mm -hmm. place. Again, entirely different discussion. But I think the most important thing is to stand up for these people so that we can enjoy the games without having to worry about this question entirely in the future. There's nothing we can do right Mm -hmm. now, but... Being proactive, I think, is the best solution. To this. I, you know,
0: I I would agree. I I do think that that uh, take on this problem is probably the one that will yield the quickest results. I do have a question for both of you. Knowing that a game studio did take really concerted efforts to ensure that no crunch was present, that it wasn't something that was involved in their initial management plans because a lot of uh, design leads pointed out, when you have crunch, a lot of it's because they have terrible design. A lot of it's because Neil Druckmann decides that, you know, everything needs to be perfect, but on the other hand, it's uh, managers making big, big mistakes. So a lot of places, or excuse me, a few places, have now tried to present themselves as the no crunch studios. Does that appeal, kind of like dolphin-free tuna or something like that, um, really affect your choices when it comes to picking up a game? Alt- uh, earnestly,
1: I'm not. Um, I'm not sure if it can be done. Done. There will be crunch to a lesser effect. No, it has
0: been done. Like there are studios that claim that that is what they <laughs> do. they, claim. they they, they, they uh, you know, just treated that sort of famously. The studio that created Dead Cells is uh, famous It's a really for that. good game. Yes, <laughs> it's a phenomenal game. They created them. But the most interesting thing there. Actually, I'm going to let you guys answer first before I just keep listening to myself speak. So, yeah, is that something that you think would appeal to you as someone that loves games?
1: Um, it made me feel better about. Like, well, I wanted to get Animal Crossing anyway, but, like, it made me feel better about Animal Crossing. Mm -hmm. Like, the fact that they were like, oh, it's coming out in uh, whenever it was November. And they were like, sorry, we need a little more time working on it. And I said, good, excellent, be like that. And then same thing, as I mentioned before, with CD Projekt Red. They pushed back Cyberpunk, and I said, yes, exactly, perfect. I'm going to feel better about that as well. Mm -hmm. But then you turn around with, say, Nintendo, and they crunched through Pokemon, which I know those are two different studios that are working on two different games, but it's all under the same umbrella. Yeah. So I think if we're going to have something like that, it needs to be universal within that company instead of finding some way to be hypocritical just because your big brand yearly IP needs to come out. Hmm.
0: So, again, it's a, it's a little more of a, a muddied water sort of resolution than not as clear.
1: Yeah, but it does make me feel better hearing it. It doesn't necessarily say, yes, I'll buy the game, because if I'm interested in the game in the first place, I was probably going to buy it regardless.
2: Yeah. What about you, Thomas? Um, I'll start by saying I'm not a very smart consumer. (laughs) I don't do a lot of research on these things to begin with. If you were to show me two games that I have inherent interest in, if one of them is certifiably, provably... um, made in a way that people don't suffer i will pick that out of the two Mm -hmm. games uh unfortunately i'm not a very smart consumer so i don't research these things but given that option even if i was more interested in the one that did have crunch and suffering if i wanted both from the start because you know from a genre standpoint there are some games i know i'm not interested in uh because i'm number one and i care about me first (laughs) selfish boy uh, at, at the end of the day, if you show me two games and you told me, yeah, I want this one more, but the other one had good practices and I still would have wanted that to begin with, I'll pick the one with, the, uh, you know, fair employee practices every time. So it
0: is something that is appealing, but not enough to be appealing in its
2: own merits. I'm not going to play just any game because they said we didn't like, yeah. you know, I, I want to play a good game at the end of the day. I want to play a game that appeals well, that, to
0: me. That's again. That's why it's important to have you here because I a hundred percent would just play the game uh, that has these merits behind it, even
2: if I didn't enjoy. Oh, it. I mean, in in a perfect yeah. world where I can afford every sure. game, you know, right? But like at the end of the day, um, I work as a server. Uh, <laughs> I can afford one game every yeah. so often, no, right? No, so like, really it, real, it, it appeals to me. But the bottom line is that I'm a capitalist chill, and I have to pick a game that interests me. I have to I have to choose with my dollar, Andy. Yeah. So, Andy, I also be... don't think that's a good system choosing with your dollar <laughs> yeah, yeah. or a I real think system. It's real but, yeah, go ahead, Rich. You know. Sorry.
1: You, you'd be more interested in picking up a game if on the box it had a bright, shiny sticker that said <laughs> "cruelty-free gaming."
0: Well, see, it's funny, but that is the closest analogy because obviously. I don't know when's the last time any you all bought a game that was came in a box, right? Like obviously, it's not.
2: Uh, oh, I still buy physical. Oh, really?
1: All the time. Insane. I yeah. Some some things, yeah.
0: Imp- I don't. I for, think it's for been non-PC. Years, always. Like on years and years and years since I I touched a physical game
2: no i have shelves andy <laughs> yes somehow. books friends books i have two shelves andy one
1: for books One. For <laughs> where is my games? steelbook persona 5 case going uh, to go? see
0: again we, we will go into the merits because i will say this for another conversation i have missed so much the dog-eared 800 page Prima strategy guides for big RPGs that I grew up on that no longer uh, exist because Prima doesn't do that anymore. They're out of business. Well, for Well,
1: they're not even a company. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm so like I feel a, a an ache that that no longer exists, and to have that on my side.
2: I still have my Star Fox 64 <gasps> strategy guide go. on my upstairs book bookshelf. There we go. <laughs> my video game. So there show. we go, <laughs>
0: folks. We're we're real gamers. We're real gamers. So uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, publishing company, the development company that I mentioned before, De- the developers behind Dead Cells. The really interesting thing about their game was they were able, and they talk about this, of their more you know uh, worker-friendly way of of creating games. They are able to limit and refine the scope of what they're actually creating. So I think that is where also we as people that love video games need to get more into that sort of way of looking at these games. We need to understand that every game can't be everything. That we shouldn't have, it shouldn't be expected that The Last of Us has every strand of Ellie's hair with its own different particle physics. It needs to be that perfect because it hurts people. And I don't think it, and this is why I think of Red Dead Redemption 2 in particular. It doesn't give overall a holistic experience that is that much better to justify the pain. So it's like what I would say to someone who... You know, is in a position where they have to use Amazon. They don't have access to other things around them where you know they maybe shouldn't use Amazon as a service because of the major corporate greed and how they're destroying the planet. So someone like that, it's very difficult to have the privilege and look at them and say, you know, don't use Amazon. But I think it's okay to say to them, reasonably, you know, don't don't get Amazon Prime. Something like that. You know, you don't need the extra service where you're giving more money. To this sort of corporation so in this regard of having a more limited scope do you think that maybe gamers could consider that and have more of a responsibility in that way
2: yeah i think i touched on this a little earlier i think a lot of studios nowadays are over promising uh you know they're saying we're gonna have all of that in the kitchen sink at the end of the day what are we gonna remember when we play mm-hmm. games i don't need the kitchen sink I want you to give me something that is effective in what it does. Something that I'm going to think about and remember years and years from now. You think 10 years from now when you're thinking about Red Dead Redemption 2, you're going to be thinking about the horse testicles (laughs) or the cool fucking rattlesnake skin boots? Or are you going to be thinking about the story that went into it? Mm -hmm. I think certain things need to be dialed into and certain things need to be left on the wayside to an extent obviously i mean one of the most memorable legend of zelda games i ever played was wind waker and it's going to hold up forever because they chose a direction and they ran in it it's aesthetically its own thing it has its own beautiful systems and you know they didn't try and make it all these things that it didn't need to be they just made it what it was
0: that's interesting where do you think rich
1: it's hard because I think back to even Last of Us 1 and I'm like, some of these animations are really good and the way that some of like the t- t- technology at the time to make things happen was really good. And outside of the story, I think of how they put in all that time and that work. Um, but Thomas is correct. The, the emotional impact of these things that I think about uh, for, say, The Last of Us 1 or Red Dead or anything like that, uh, I think about when I when Red Dead comes to mind, my brain instantly goes to uh, Dead Man's Gun, the last song that you hear for the the credits before the rest of the game. Or for The Last of Us, I think about that great opening scene or the fantastic ambiguous stress and anxiety inducing mm. ending. Uh, or giraffes, or for for instance or the, or the giraffes like that whole every ugh, every season of that is so good and like i'm i'm smiling and getting excited thinking about that because i'm not just thinking oh yeah that reload animation was really cool although what we've seen in the gameplay for 2 has a lot of really interesting procedural animations but we're not going to remember that oh ellie had to do this thing and crawl under a car and whatever but like we'll remember that there was combat it was good combat And then it was between probably excellently written story bits. And that stuff will stick with us a lot more than, oh, my gun did a cool thing when I reloaded it. (laughs) Or I stepped in a puddle. Or, oh, there's ambient occlusion. Or, look at the ray tracing. Like, you're not, those are nothing. Those are nothing. Those are buzzwords.
0: I, I do think that many developers or the people that are in that culture might disagree, though, unfortunately, and say that, you know, these are what create holistic storytelling and a holistic experience.
1: It's- I walk by that blade of grass and I don't even <laughs> see what it actually looks like. The environments are completely almost no. wasted. Not to say that they're not beautiful and you shouldn't look at them, but game environments are practically nothing like yeah. when it comes it, to going through them.
2: It is important to make these things look good to make them look smooth immersive but it's polish you need to understand where the line is you have to draw the line and say this is exactly the amount we need to make our games impact feel like it happened in a what's the word i'm looking for in a natural way Mm. right but like once you go so far past that point All you're doing is creating unnecessary goods, unnecessary stress on the people that are doing it.
0: Again, I think there are people that would unfortunately really disagree and think that if they didn't push that envelope, this art form wouldn't adapt and change. You know, it's a bit of a devil's advocate here because I 100% agree like there has to be a limit. We need to, I think in my mind, eliminate some of the roles that a creative director has on the development of games. I think that the attention to detail to making sure that every little object has more beats or is a little more special is a problem. I think maybe that would be okay if we had like insanely strong labor practices and the union rep had to like tap on the sign and be like, all right, Neil, just calm down a little bit everyone's leaving at 4.30 today, you know, that sort of thing. Like, I, I believe that maybe that would work a little better if, if we had those uh, sort of roles of, of people fighting, but that doesn't exist, and it probably won't exist in this very rich field for a long time. So I, I do believe that creative directors need to change their roles in some way, that we need someone who can say, you know that is enough not just a producer role that yeah. is like are you sure that we have enough you know big bang moments where people die in cool ways shock yeah awe. we
1: need this minute by minute
2: yeah. yeah like we we need a role in game companies that basically sees the forest for mm-hmm. the trees to understand how these things are fitting into the overall product and figuring out where is a good place to stop that
1: Hmm. a lot of those people that are leading these projects the CEOs the the big like the bigger bosses probably don't even know what a video game really is
2: mm-hmm. hey man do you know what a video game really <laughs> yeah, is? yeah man I've played Dead Cells is a video game art Richard? <laughs> uh, it could
1: be if you're playing something like um, Dead Cells
0: there we go so I think ultimately it is again just a, it's a messy messy mire but if I had to answer the question, you know, what can one do? What should you do about Unionize. The Last of Us 2? <laughs> yeah, Unionize. absolutely. Mike, drop. Yes. Stay indoors. Um, I think ultimately when we deal with The Last of Us 2, that's going to be a critical darling. For me, I think that you should not trust any reviewer, no matter the source that you've loved before, If they do not include the truth about the development cycle in their review and I think personally it's important to keep that in mind to remember that people were hospitalized for kind of trivial things to us the gamer. To make this game happen. They they didn't that all die. was sexually harassed. Yeah, yeah. They didn't all, you know, go through this trauma so that Ellie could give these incredible performances and that her, you know, her, her animations would look that much more powerful when she was reacting. A lot of them went through this process of pain through very arduous and tedious tasks. So if you can keep that in mind and at least keep that in your head and maybe follow some of the direction that Thomas said, don't listen to Rich, first of all. Make sure that's happening there. <laughs> then I think ultimately, you know, we're, we're going to be on a better page. Uh, boys, I want to get y'all last words on this. You know, we talked about ad nauseum. Uh, what do you think someone should do who believes that crunch is a real thing and it's a bad thing? So if you don't believe that, you know, that we're not speaking to you. You don't matter. But if you do think it is a bad thing, what should gamers do who want to play The Last of Us and uh, feel a little bit bad about
2: it? open a dialogue like I said before I know I said earlier I'm not a very smart consumer it's something I've been working on I think if you want to enjoy these things you should be able to enjoy them but I think you have to do your best to be proactive in talking with these companies and trying to let them know that as a consumer of their product you are willing to take you know a six month time differential on what they said the release was gonna be you're willing to see cut product not cut product but cut features that weren't really relevant in the first place stuff like that you need to let this these companies know that you're willing to see these sacrifices as a consumer so that their employees can have a better work environment
0: and i think just to add on to that also make sure the longevity of the work will continue like we don't want to beat up these developers so much that they can only make one major game in their lifetime you know like if we can just maybe slow it down a little bit maybe slow lower the scope we can get a lot of these great minds to keep working on these franchises that we really really like
2: Bingo. Richard you don't want to see Simon and Garfunkel burn out after their third album. You want Simon and Garfunkel 4, the best album they oh, ever did.
0: Oh, thank God we mentioned Simon and Garfunkel. I was waiting for that. Uh, Richard, the bootlicker himself, what do you think?
1: Great. Thomas hit the nail on the head. Uh, make that community manager work for their dollars as well. Mm-hmm. Or make them work More? as hard as those <laughs> other workers have been doing.
0: No, but what do you, again, what do you think someone who wants to enjoy this game... But, uh, you know, it does feel a little bit bad because they recognize the uh, horrible conditions, some would say, that went into its creation.
1: Well, if you're going to do what the rest of the internet is going to do, you yell on Twitter. Uh, no, don't do that, please. Don't <laughs> harass the. Don't harass the creators. Don't uh, go in with the negativity on these forums, on these pages, on these things. Uh, keep an open mind for how they would also like to be treated and the things that they also want to have done for them and with them and by their own hands. But consider. Like Thomas said, keeping the dialogue open, making sure that there is a communication between a bunch of different parties. If you can somehow facilitate that and see if you can turn this around in somebody's favor other than the good old American dollar.
0: There we go. I think we'll leave it at that. Thank you, boys, so much. Mandy Burkowski, VGS. Dialogue wheel. Open up that dialogue. See, for once, it actually works, the name of this uh thank you all again and we're going to talk again soon right
1: yeah let's do it this is
0: fun so we're going to try to keep on this with at least a semi-regular schedule uh a little bit different than the other stuff we do so thank you again and also it should be noted richard does some really great content on the channel so he's going to be covering some games ideally coming up soon i said it here so now he kind of has to so i'm really happy about that and uh i have some new plans that will be released in the next week or so some new ideas so i gotta talk about them but uh we will see you later thank you